welcome to the Learning Capacity Podcast, where we explore stories from around the world. We hear from educators, parents, students, entrepreneurs and scientists about innovations that help make learning easier and more successful. I'm your host, Peter Barnes. Can you imagine what it would be like to suddenly forget your past, to have pounding headaches, dizziness and tremors, to be unable to find words when you wanted to speak, to experience an extreme loss of energy, have your blood pressure drop dangerously low and find yourself uncomfortably sensitive to sounds and sunlight, and to feel that as well as having no past, you have no future. Sarah Rasputset did. She experienced all that and more when she fried her brain and suffered chronic brain inflammation during a triathlon on Queensland's Gold Coast in January 2018. Since then, Sarah has been rebuilding her brain using multiple therapies, including cognitive training described by Dr. Norman Doidge in his book, The Brain That Changes Itself. Sarah told me her story. It's one of tragedy and suffering, but it's also inspirational and hopeful at the same time. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What happened to you in January 2018 on Australia's Gold Coast on a very hot, humid day? Well, I'd entered a triathlon race that was a qualifier for the Triathlon World Age Group Championships, which. was my biggest dream. Actually, the year before I'd um, represented Australia and I'd raced in Rotterdam, but the the next year coming up was going to be held on the Gold Coast, you know, in front of the home crowd. So I was I was very excited. Uh, I wanted to race with all my girlfriends, so it was a big deal. And and you're an elite. You're an an elite triathlete. Well, <laughs> yes. I would love to be. No, I'm like a master's level. <laughs> well, that's that's a, that's <laughs> let's pre- clear that up. <laughs> that's pr- that's pretty high up on my my totem pole of triathletes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So this sort of race had raced like a dozen times, but um, in these similar hot conditions. But for some reason, when I um crossed the finish line, my I started to get this incredible like um headache pressure in my head and like I felt like my brain was gonna um explode out of my skull (laughs) and then after that I don't really remember what happened it all sort of goes blank wow so we're a year year and a bit more on from that and and we'll talk about what happened to you in that year but before Mm -hmm. we do that can you just tell us a little about your life before the triathlete before the triathlon? Well, I was living on the mid-north coast, New South Wales, uh, in a small town and r- running my own business, marketing business, and being involved in the com- community, which I really enjoyed. Um, I was president of the local tri club, involved with this lovely mermaid swim group, which it was just great, and um, like I said, I represented Australia the year before, and I just um just before this this race, just done my first ocean marathon swim, which is a ten k swim, which for me was opening up a whole new sport for me. I like I do like triathlon, but I was like, wow, this is really cool. 
I could, you know, do something with this marathon swimming. So, yeah, life is good. I was living the dream. Yeah, sounds like My it. dream. Sound, yeah. Sounds like you, you're a success in multiple areas of life and things were going really well for you. Then, mm. you, then you did the triathlon. And so, and you, and you had that terrible feeling afterwards. So, can mm-hmm. you describe what what uh, your physical, your emotional, uh, you, you, how you how your thinking processes have been were affected? I, I've read some of your blogs, and you mentioned things like headaches and vertigo, loss of energy, low blood pressure, lymphedema, uh, extreme sensitivity to sounds and light, sunlight. Do you want to talk about some of that? and maybe other things that might have happened to you that are just awful? Mm, yeah, when you read that back to me, it makes me feel uh, sad. Um, yeah, I remember in the race, I was starting to feel a bit, I must have started, the race was going to normal, normal. I did my normal time and everything. I think I did a really good swim. Um, but I remember feeling very emotional on the bike, like I wanted to cry, and I, I don't know, that must have been the beginning of what was happening to me. But, yeah, afterwards, there's immediate headache, um, migraines. I, it, it happened so suddenly, suddenly that I just couldn't um, hear anything. Um, you know, the world was too bright. It was too loud. It was it was incredible that it could happen so fast. And I had vertigo, memory loss, double vision, constant nausea really weird feelings it was it was just horrible i i hate remembering it actually <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry to ask you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so and, and when you say fast was it you came off you came up off the triathlon and then all of this thing happened or was it over a period of days or weeks it did some symptoms happened straight away and then some developed over six month period but um, I definitely very quickly lost all my cognitive skills and they deteriorated really fast. So um, my memory and I couldn't, like, run meetings. I remember sitting in a committee meeting and I, I was seeing double vision. I had to get someone to read the agenda because I couldn't even um, talk or read anymore. So some things just happened very fast. My, <laughs> my hair started falling out. I had a tremor in my hand. I'd, Sometimes wow. I start passing out, like in the middle of the day. I was all dressed for work, and then I, I work from home office, so I passed out for three hours. Then I woke up, and I was all dressed for work, and I was like, "Where, where am I? What's happened?" Um, that sounds terrible. So your life, was, your life just totally changed. Yeah, it was terrifying. It's like my brain just shut down. Mm. And what did you do to get help? Well, I was in such a blur. I couldn't, I couldn't even um, ask for help. I was in a really bad, bad way. And but did you eventually see doctors and medical people? And just give me a second. <laughs> I feel so emotional. It's really um, sad. So, Sarah, what did the medical people say about what happened to you? And what what did they tell you about your prospects of recovery? I was told I had brain inflammation and actually chronic inflammation and lymphedema throughout my whole body. So I basically had cooked myself unknowingly, but um, yeah, sadly it had gone throughout my whole system. So that that 
swelling, all that pain I could feel in my brain was um, fluid buildup, basically. So um, they were confident that they could reduce the inflammation, um, but that's not really the end of the story for me because of how inflammation works and the effects on neurons in the brain. It um, does some damage while it's up there and swells, so some connections get uh, get lost or they get shocked or, or they go to sleep, so they're not really sure, but um, it causes a whole, like, um, cascade of um, nasty things. So it was um, – it's a – Sorry, you'll have to cut that out. <laughs> What's been your rehabilitation schedule? So I had six months of cold laser therapy to reduce the inflammation in my brain, and that involved a trip to Adelaide for intensive treatment, three hours daily of lasers being shone on into my brain and on all over my body because it was everywhere. Um, so that was quite painful and, and tiring because my body had to process everything and get it out. And that took a good six months to work. Um, and after after laser finished, um, we had to, well, I naively thought that it would be all over and I could go back to my old life that I was enjoying, but actually um, it, it wasn't finished. and. That's when I discovered that I'd lost a lot of connections and I may have to relearn a lot of skills that I thought I'd have for life. So that's where my rehabilitation is really starting and that's the stage that I'm at now and um, where I need to retrain my brain. So I'm I'm about two months into sort of intense rehab. Right. We'll have a chat about that. what you're doing to retrain your brain in a bit. But before that, I want to ask you about uh, you using a rocking chair to help restore your balance. Can you tell me about that and, and any other unusual or old-fashioned or uh, alternative, if you like, if that's the word for it, treatments that you've tried and what worked and what didn't? Mm, yes, yeah, sure. Um, I'm really fighting to get my life back here, so I was will- I was willing to try anything and, you know, if anything seemed unusual, I was happy to give it a go. And the, the rocking chair came up because I had severe vertigo for 10 months. Um, something in my brain, my balance sensor was unwired. So the rocking chair came up as a, a treatment idea. Um, so I combined that with another treatment that I found, which was a machine that moved me in a 360-degree angle so I did a bit of rocking at home and go to this other treatment so them together stimulated my inner ear I guess and um, helped the vertigo to go away which is lovely because vertigo if anybody's had it it's so debilitating it's um, it just you just can't do anything um, some other things that I've done I've got a big log list here but uh, um, well, the, the laser therapy that I had considered alternative in Australia, but around the, yeah. You said it was cold laser therapy for, for people cold like me laser. who don't understand what that is. What is cold laser? Well, hot laser is um, used to, let's say, cut things like um, mm-hmm. laser eye surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, 
cold laser is a, a gentler type of light and it actually is a healing light and it's the same um, wavelength that's, as the sun. So it goes into your, into your cells and it helps the cells actually heal themselves so that they um, do the work in your body. Sometimes cells get shocked or they turn off, so sunlight, help, I mean the laser helps them do that again. So laser, uh, the rocking chair and the 360-degree uh, mm-hmm. movement thing all helped you, it's, mm-hmm. I understand. Mm-hmm. What else? Just started uh, yoga and meditation, which has been, well, around for thousands of years, so it's quite, I guess, old-fashioned, but it's, it's been wonderful to re- retrain my um, parasympathetic nervous system and just help my breathing because that's all gone out of, sink I guess Um, and during meditation I have some amazing experiences of flashbacks of um, because I had uh, amnesia I lost all memory of like say where I went to school or primary school I had no idea where I went to school so I'd sit there in meditation and that would start to come back so all these things combined have been really incredible that is that, uh, is that is incredible. What sort of meditation uh, are you doing? Well, to be honest, I can't remember. It's a, it's a blend of <laughs> okay, <laughs> whatever they do up there at the studio. It's working. Yeah. It's working for you, though. That's right. I mm. I don't have time to get into the details. <laughs> okay. I'm also writing a blog to practice my writing skills, my spelling, and my grammar, which just disappeared on the day of the triathlon. Um, which is a struggle, but it's helping everything I can do to help myself. Um, and also I've just been doing some hypnotherapy, which has been surprisingly incredible for my brain to – my brain's quite lost in where it's at. It's hard to explain, but I wanted to put some good good vibes back in there and good connections with, you know, like positive thoughts and positive memories because um, it's been through so much distress, I guess. Have you taken any or been prescribed any um, drugs, pharmaceuticals? Um, no, no, I haven't taken anything. As far as I know, there aren't um, any anti-inflammatories that can cross the um, blood-brain barrier, so mm-hmm. that's why the laser was the option. Um, even people that have, um, say, a concussion or a brain injury, I believe, they don't have any drugs for them. But <laughs> I'm not an expert, but, um, yeah, nothing was offered in that sense for me. Right. Mm. And now one year after the triathlon, how would, how would you describe you now? How are you feeling? It's still – I have come a long way. It is still early days um, back in my, uh, in my recovery. Um, taking one day at a time each day is – um, to get to the end of the day, I think, is an achievement with all the things that I'm relearning to do. And um, I go to bed each day exhausted with my rehab. So that's where I'm at. I don't have any plans at the moment um, for future, but I'm just focusing what I can do with what I've got at the moment. Um, I've still got Really severe light and sound sensitivity, so I'm wearing earplugs and I can't go out in public much at all um, because it just irritates my brain. 
I've still got a tremor in my hands, um, sometimes low blood pressure and circulation, which makes it awkward if I'm out somewhere and um, I need help. And memory loss is still quite prominent. And, yeah, my speaking skills you can probably hear. (laughs) Sometimes I just can't find the words or like to make sentences up, but it's it's just so much work for me at the moment. I've actually like to to go on this podcast. I've actually done a lot of like uh, prep, probably about a month or five weeks of prep, and I've made a lot of notes and I'm trying to read them, but I'm still struggling <laughs> with that. I just want to be honest with you, but um, that's where I'm at. You're doing really well. Uh, I mean, what Thank you're you. what you're talking about is just. <laughs> fascinating and scary and also inspirational mm. i mean clearly you you've focused on rehabilitating yourself you just haven't sat around or lied or lay around you've really worked you've been working from from everything you're telling me have you ever given mm. up hope of recovering along long in this last 12 months did you ever just despair that this is how how you're going to be for the rest of your life well, I, sometimes I guess no one could ever tell me what really has been wrong or what my like outcome might be. Um, you know, my greatest fear in life is is going to prison, like being stuck in a cell and just wasting your life away and not um, being able to do anything. And when my brain shut down after triathlon. It felt a bit like that, that I was shut down, I was stuck in my body and I couldn't communicate and I couldn't say anything. I just lost all sense of who I was. So in those dark moments, it felt it felt pretty bad, yeah. Um, but as time has gone on and I just thought I'll just, I'll just hold on and do one more day and if one more day was too much, I'd just do one hour and... Um, if one hour is too much, I do a minute. So as time has passed through that, I, I feel a bit more um, hopeful a- about the future, yeah. Good, good, good. And, and tell me about the effect on you of the social isolation you must have endured since the triathlon. I mean, before then you had a challenging career as a marketing professional. You were running your own business. You were interacting with many people. You were participating in sports with hundreds of other people. You had a social life. But after your brain inflammation, all that disappeared, didn't it? And you were sort of on your own. You just talked. You just mentioned it. In some ways, it felt like you're in a prison cell. Mm. Yeah, I felt like I was trapped inside my my head, in mm. my body. Mm. Yeah. Oh, you make you make me cry again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I come alive when I'm with people. Like I need to be around people. Like you said, I was always. Um, in a crowd or doing things. Um, so I guess part of the injury, um, the loss of my community and, and especially living in a small town where you know everybody, um, it's been heartbreaking and I think some ways that's been harder than any of the physical pain that I've had, the migraines, the headaches, like they were just shocking um, but to lose your place with your friends and your girlfriends is just just terrible. And, I, I mean, the worst was I couldn't talk, so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Serious social isolation. It, yeah, for 12 months. Mm. In, in mm. one of your blogs, 
you write about how you lost memories of your past and how, in your words, you don't know where you've been and you don't know where you're going. How scary was that? Or is scary not the way to describe what you felt? It's real. Yes, it is. It is scary. I mean, I'm just reliving it as we talk. It. We, I, there's all this talk about being living in the moment, and that is that is a really great um, thing to aspire to. But I, I can tell you, I've been living in the moment for 12 months with no. Um, idea of my past or ideas about my future so I couldn't connect up in my brain who I had been for 30 years or that I had I didn't even know that I'd run my own business I'd trained my ass off for 18 months to go to the world championships in Amsterdam and I didn't even know I had done it and I just thought what's the point of of anything I don't know where I've come from I don't know what I'm capable of I don't know what my strength is or am I a strong person or am I determined? Like I just had no connection with where I had been, the things. You know, we all have a, um autobiography that we keep in our head and, um, you know, we tell a story of ourselves of, you know, where you went to school or what you did after that and all your achievements at work and um, I had lost all that so. That's what I mean about being being stuck in the moment without the past. And how does that, how can you use, you can't use anything to inform your future. I didn't even know what I liked to do. That's how bad the amnesia was. Wow. I forgot I had a dog. <laughs> the brain inflation just totally untethered you from all of that. So you're sort of like yeah. floating alone in a way. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Wow, wow. But mm-hmm. now, now. When you're speaking with a lot of insight into 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 what's happened to you, now is it coming back the past and who you are and your strengths? It is gradually, and thank goodness because I don't know how much longer I could have handled that. Um, it's like being half dead and half alive, like you're alive but you don't know what's happening to you. So yes, it is gradually coming back. I, I woke up this morning and had a a flash of something like a flashback and I was like, oh, I did that. Uh, so it is starting to come back, which is so nice. Mm, mm. And I understand you've been doing a cognitive training program to help retrain your brain to try and recover some of the connections and neurons that were all scrambled or lost or burnt out by the <laughs> uh, by the inflammation. And that was inspired, I understand, are you reading Dr. Norman Doidge's famous book, The Brain That Changes Itself? Can you tell us what that cognitive program is and is it helping and how is it helping? Yes. Thank goodness for Dr. Norman Doidge and that I had read it about 12 years ago and it was in my brain. And luckily that little connection hadn't been lost because I found them mention a program called Fast Forward, which sounded wonderful for me and let me tell you Peter throughout this whole experience of meeting all these medical people um, neuroplasticity was not ever mentioned it's not a buzzword in hospital I was actually told um, to just accept where I was at and just get on with my life and get over it and go get some um, uh, therapy to help me accept my disability Um so, so I did my own research and found 
um, this program, which uh, really focuses on language, reading and speaking, which you can hear I am struggling with, but it has, um, I felt that was central to my recovery, like I was just saying before, that I'd lost all sense of myself and I was unable to communicate with others and I wasn't able to communicate within myself and it's hard to explain that to someone with a healthy brain but uh, for 12 months I didn't even have um, that voice inside my head. I couldn't talk to myself. I couldn't say, Sarah, you're having a good day or just keep going, Sarah. Like that ability had, had gone so I knew I had to find something to help me. So. Luckily, I found this program and something about what Dr. Deutsch said in there was that this program does help with language, which I needed, but it also had this spillover effect throughout the whole brain, which I wanted really to latch on to. So um, I thought, oh, if this can spill out all all over into my brain, that would be great because it needs a whole um, makeover, so to speak. I'm halfway through the, oh no, 10 weeks into the three-month program now and uh, I do an hour a day on the computer of reading, listening, comprehension skills. Uh, It's written for kids, so it's a lot of fun, but (laughs) a lot of hard work. Like an hour on the computer, I feel like I'm just training for a triathlon, like a 10K run or something. That's how tired I am afterwards and I have to go have a rest. So, so I know it's a, working. Giving you a workout. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm getting yeah. my um, training hits <laughs> from that because <laughs> yeah. um, I'm missing out on that. But it was incredible. In the first week of doing it, I felt – because before my brain felt – like a jumble, like a spaghetti up in my head. But after the first week of doing it, I felt this like I actually could feel the connections happening. Like I felt this buzz of energy, like a waterfall running down the side of my left side of my head, which is where all the headaches were. And it's just like, oh, things are just working and talking to each other. It's, um, you know, before this injury, I'd never thought about my brain. I'd never thought. I could feel it, but um, now I've I've experienced that. It's a pretty amazing thing that we have up in our heads. Wow. Um, I'm almost getting goosebumps listening to you describe that. In the second week of doing the program, um, my memory started coming back. Even though this program's not focused on memory retrieval, but I woke up and I remembered where I went to primary school and I could picture it and I could picture my friends and that was incredible to get that back. And the program's about language and English and listening. So it spilled over quite quickly for me, which is so wonderful and such a bonus. Um, by week three, my parents were saying, um, you're more talkative. And the big win for that week was I was able to ring up a girlfriend and she didn't answer, but I, I left a voicemail and I wasn't able to do that before Um I used to get my words all jumbled up, doing it a bit now, but not before I just I just had to send a text. So, like, by week three, I was able to do that. Um, by a month, I could start to read a book. I wasn't 
I could only read like a paragraph or two and then put the book down. But even just the fact that I could pick it up and start to read. I mean, I love reading. I read, read Anna Karina when I was in primary school. So to be able to start to get those skills back. And remember I was saying earlier I couldn't even read that agenda in the committee meeting. So, um, and this is like 12 months after the, the injury. So um, it's just mind-blowing what, what it's done for me. Um, by week five, I was starting to dream of talking. So I could start to, just dreaming that I could hear myself talk in my head. And that was, that was just a skill that had just completely disappeared. Um, I heard myself speak um, when there was silence in my head. And you cannot imagine having a silent mind until you've had it. It's, it is the ultimate idea of, um, you know, that, that voice in your head, you've got to go do this, got to go do that, go, you know, get this done by the end of the day. But I, I didn't have any of that. It was very lonely and quiet up there. So to hear myself speak and <laughs> It actually said, um, Sarah, go vacuum your room. Must have needed a clean. Um, can you imagine? That's the first thing I heard. Um, and then by weeks, like this program just opened up my world. Like by week six, I could listen enough because it was teaching my listening skills. I could listen enough well enough to go to yoga gentle yoga class and then listen to the yoga teacher you know they talk a lot in those classes you know put your arm here do this bend over do that and I was able to keep up um, and start some yoga and then you know that's helped my other parts of my rehab as well um, but I couldn't even contemplate that six weeks before um, and then it just keep kept getting better and better by every week um, I dream of um, writing my blog, like in my head. I could just hear it being typed out in my mind. And then by week eight, I just had to start um, asking my family to stop finishing my sentences because they would. I would start a sentence because I would be like, uh, 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 and then they'd finish it off for me because I sort of had an idea of what I was saying. And I was like, why are they doing this? It's so irritating. But I didn't realise how quickly I had um, gotten some skills. So this whole process has been mind-blowing, watching a brain come back to life when it's been shocked or stunned. Um, it's been slow, I guess, but fast in some ways. So that's it. Sorry, <laughs> That's totally, yeah. totally amazing. And I'm amazed how you've kept a chronology of this thing and you've described what's been happening to you week by week in that. It's just you've obviously come a long way from way back when all that happened. And and while you were using this cognitive program, this Fast for Word, I understand you were getting support from a learning specialist, a lady called Monique Peters from Learning Well MacArthur in Sydney. Can you tell me how that worked and how it helped? Yes. Retraining a brain is tedious, persistent, hard work, and it's not fun. Um, relearning things that I learnt, say, in primary school or before school. Um, so having Monique here as my cheer squad leader has been essential. We talk once a week on the phone. And she encourages me to stay focused on my abilities, not my disabilities, on my progress and not 
what I still can't do. Um, and we celebrate the small wins along the way because that's really important when you're building new neural connections. It just it takes time, and every little win is a win because once um, I forget the saying, once a connection is wired, then it stays with you. So unless you do another triathlon, but um, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, um, she I also do. offers, yeah. Um, email support so I can send her all my questions and um, get some tips because it's it's not easy to do. It's brain rehab needs a lot of support. It's like supporting a child going through school. Like they need encouragement. I need encouragement. And um, Monique and I were talking about this, that um, excitement and joy and happiness helps about the task that I'm doing, even though it's quite boring, to be honest with you. Um, we need that excitement that I'm getting better to help build the dopamine and the serotonin to help support those connections really bind. So she keeps the energy up when I'm like, I'm feeling so tired from doing my exercises. It sounds like Monique Peters is in the cognitive world, the equivalent of a coach you would have in the sporting world. It sounds like she's been motivational which is a real one of the big big jobs of a coach is to motivate the athlete or the participant or the student to keep going when going gets tough is that's what is that what Monique's been doing for you I understand yeah absolutely and she's got the big picture in mind which I haven't been able to keep in my head I haven't had any ideas about the future that she's kept me going moving me forward and um yeah reminded me how far I've come another key thing about how we talk and keep this space positive is that we focus on the fascination of the brain relearning and not the frustration of me having to do my grammar and spelling skills and my singing skills that I learnt maybe when I was like eight. Um, and she also pushes me too because I have done well, but she gives me new challenges like I get to do my times tables soon, which I'm really pumped about. <laughs> <laughs> and she also got me um, to start a video blog for, um, to, to practice speaking as well. So, you know, anything that I can keep pushing myself and keep my brain, use it or lose it, brain. Keep it going. Wonderful, wonderful. Hats off to both of you. Thank you. One of one of the things you wrote about uh, in your blog was about music and Celine Dion specifically, and how you used to have you couldn't remember when when you heard a Celine Dion song. Now you couldn't. You'd lost all the memories you had of hearing her music when you were younger. What what was what were you feeling about what were your feelings about that and has that has that changed do those memories come back? Um, yes, you're right. I had lost all association with uh, with music because music can remind us of a of a time or a place or a feeling. You know, you put music on to change the mood of a of a room, right? I, I had no none of those lovely memories and no memories of listening to Celine. 
uh, as a kid. Uh, but what I was saying in, in that blog that you're talking about was I couldn't even hear music. Um, I had no um, ability to process music. So it's like, it's hard to explain. It's like, you know, when you go traveling in a foreign country and you can hear people talking the other language, you can hear its noise, its sound, but you there's no meaning attached to the words for you and you have no idea what they're saying. Um, and that's what it was like for me for 12 months that could hear music but it had no association or it didn't didn't sound like a song to me. It just sounded like <laughs> it was irritating so I had to turn everything off. Um, but about uh, 10 or 11 months after the heat stroke, I just randomly, this is after the laser treatment, I was at home and I just, just couple of lyrics like just wandered into my head it wasn't playing on the radio or anything it just wandered into my mind like and I heard some Celine Dion um song and I thought what what was that because my brain is silent just dead and um and that was the moment I thought oh I think my brain's waking up I think maybe I can um I had some hope after that. Um, it's been really bizarre and I, I don't know if I can explain what it's like to live in a silent, meaningless world, but it's a depressing place and for, for me to hear something again was um, just really lifted me up again. I'm sure. <laughs> Amazing. Mm. Uh, and I, I guess the cognitive training, the fast-forward work you're doing with Monique, Peters has helped that, the, mm -hmm. la the language and the, the processing, the connections um, and the listening. Would, mm -hmm. you, would you agree with that? Am I, am I right there or am I off the mark? Yeah, absolutely. Like when I'll just go back, when I heard that little Celine Dion lyric, it was just two lines and then that was gone. That was before I started the program. Um, I couldn't listen to music, but now that I've – Ten weeks in, I can now tolerate some music, and I can um, start to listen. I mean, I'm listening to you now. <laughs> Thank goodness you're not talking too much. Um, and yes, it's, it's it's given me some skills to listen. Like I couldn't even watch a movie; I'd have to put it on silent with subtitles because I couldn't understand the words. It would just be talking too fast, and my brain couldn't keep up with the speed. So the program has helped me and give, given me some skills and the quality of life back again. Mm. And so what advice do you have for someone who finds themselves in a similar brain situation that you've experienced? Well, I've got lots of ideas. Maybe we could do a whole podcast about this. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could. We could absolutely do that. Look, um, there, is, there is a doctor that I love. Dr. Bernie Siegel, and he was a surgeon in the 80s, a cancer surgeon, and I always follow his work. And he says, be an exceptional patient, be an active participant in your recovery and your treatment plans, ask questions, um, be annoying to doctors, shake their hands, ask them to look you in the eye and get the help that, that you want and get your um, questions answered um, because 
it's it's your life really so I take my lead from him and um to help me move forward with my rehab ideas uh, I say to anybody who's in a similar situation you are the expert of your brain um and you know what's normal for you and where you want to get back to. I'm, I was lying in hospital. I had low blood pressure. I couldn't get out of bed. Um, I said, look, doctors, I, have, I can't remember anything. I don't know what year it is. I don't know what country I'm in. I don't even know my middle name or that I even have a dog. Well, my sister reminded me. Um, so they said, okay, here's a memory test. Um, and because I passed the memory test, I was able to read clock faces and to identify an elephant. They said, oh, there's nothing wrong with your memory, so get out of here, basically. But only you know what you're capable of and, you know, what you've lost. So you really got to fight for what you want to get back, which is hard. With These are challenges of any sort of invisible injury or illness that, People cannot really see, um, but you know, you know what you want to get back. Great, Another great advice. So, thank you. you, you anyone who's who is in this situation, well, it's just extraordinary what you've done. Um, and now, one year after the triathlon, how are you feeling, seeing your future now? To be honest, I it's hard to answer that. Um, I'm not being negative, but I don't know how long it'll take for rehab um, and I haven't got any plans. I'm just leaving it open. Obviously, every day I'm doing everything I can. Everything I do is to build a new neural pathway. I don't waste my time doing anything else, but I've got to just keep going in that way. For now, I I don't know what recovery looks like I don't know like this has obviously changed my brain it's changed how I'm wired so you know it's it's gonna the new me will be different and I call myself Sarah 2.0 which is like a soft (laughs) (laughs) Sarah 2.0 that's and that's all I can tell you I don't know when it'll be released you'll have to just wait um patiently um (laughs) but what I what I try to just do every day is accept who I am now and who I might become um, as a result of this and the new connections that I make and that's all I can do for now. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's a story of tragedy and but it's so inspirational to hear how far you've come and how you focused and took took charge of your rehabilitation. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Learning Capacity Podcast, brought to you by LearnFastHQ.com, delivering the world's best evidence-based solutions for learning since 1999. Head over to our website to read a transcript of the podcast. Go to LearnFastHQ.com, that's L-E-A-R-N-F-A-S-T-H-Q.com, and click on Podcast in the menu at the top of the page. And don't forget to subscribe in your listening app so you don't miss hearing any of the interesting discussions about learning, teaching and education.